This is Geek Gab with your hosts, John, Brian, and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, June 3rd, 2017. Today, we are going to be talking about the brand new DC superhero film that just hit theaters, Wonder Woman. Plus, probably a bunch of other stuff that we'll uh, hit on the way to and from that particular topic. But before we get started with the main thrust of the show, uh, I'm going to let my co-host and uh, host of our brand new podcast on the books, author, Dragon Award winning author, Brian Niemeyer, say hi. Hey, everybody. It's good to be here. You have some news. Are you allowed to talk about your news? I can say things about the news. That, well, the big thing is the thing that uh, that just barely just happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, moments before showtime, I finished the final draft of my debut book for Castellia House. So in the last two or three seconds before we went on the air, have you... Uh, come up with any uh, major changes that you absolutely need to make or is is everything still sitting with you okay yeah everything's fine you know i um it's, a, it's the third draft and i go through and just make sure things as high quality for you the readers as possible and i was mainly just uh polishing some things up although i'd hope to be done with it at the end of may but based on some feedback from my editor and some decisions that I decided to make. I ended up throwing out the second to last, which was also the longest chapter and just rewriting it from scratch. Well, I'm looking forward to it when it comes out. And of course we'll be announcing it here on the gab. Um, just to let you know, folks, John, our co-host is in point of fact scheduled to come on the show. He was intending to be here, but he realized at the last moment that his viewing of Wonder Woman is getting out about three minutes ago. So he's going to get out of the theater, race to the car, and uh, presumably either call in on his phone or race home and, and get on the show. So we don't know when he's going to be joining us, but we are hoping it will be soon because that way there will have been two of us who have seen the movie and um, we can perhaps have a more in-depth discussion. Let's see. Um, any, any last words before I kick this off talking about Wonder Woman? Do it. Okay. Let me start by saying this. Wonder Woman is not a bad movie. It is, in fact, a, a very well-done movie. Um, in terms of the script, there are some things that are going to bug perhaps DC purists and definitely purists of Greek mythology, but the movie itself, the script is well done. Not absolutely perfect, but well done. The direction is well done. Cinematography is well done. Beautiful, gorgeous scenery in a lot of places and very chilling scenery in other appropriate places. The performances are, all of the performances of the main characters were very, very well done. And I didn't notice a single background player who popped in to give that 
that really bad one or two lines that just, you know, shouts that this is a person who got through high school drama and didn't really do very well in it. In, in just about every great movie, there's like one background player who has to step forward and give a line. General, sir, they're waiting for you. And they do a terrible job. And you just kind of wince at this tiny little moment of bad acting and go on with the movie. I didn't notice anybody in Wonder Woman doing that. And, of course, as is the case for high-budget Hollywood movies recently, the special effects are amazing and impeccable. They didn't look fake. There wasn't a feeling of, uh, even though you know that during many of these scenes, the actors were probably acting in front of a green screen, it didn't feel like that. There wasn't obvious compositing issues. There wasn't obvious lighting mismatches. I'm sure if you slowed it down and went through frame by frame, you could point out where things aren't done quite perfectly, but they really are. Special effects really have uh, advanced just unimaginably since uh, when George Lucas started doing the pioneering stuff for compositing um, in the Star Wars movies, and especially Empire Strikes Back when they were compositing the Hoth scene. It was very difficult. They had a lot of very technical issues they had to overcome in order to do that all correctly. And if you've ever watched any of the makings of, you, you'll notice that they talk about some of the bobbles, some of the difficulties, some of the problems that bleed through into the screen. For example, at one point in Return of the Jedi, in the original release of it, you have a huge bunch of TIE fighters coming at the screen, and then at one moment, for a, for a couple of small seconds, there's actually two white cutouts shaped like a TIE fighter, because they had put in places to optically composite the TIE fighters in, but there weren't any actually there. It was simply a mistake. So if you stop the movie in those two or three frames, you could see empty holes in the film where TIE fighters were supposed to have gone. Little mistakes like that, but as the technology has evolved, you these mistakes have gotten harder and harder to notice. And I'm sure in 20 years, it'll look fake. In 20 years, it'll look bad compared to whatever special effects that we'll have in 20 years. But for today, they're absolutely impeccable, uh, even impressive in many cases. So on, it is a good movie. It is not a perfect movie, but it is a good movie. And of course, um, Gal Gadot is absolutely beautiful, and even though she's still skinnier than I would have liked to have seen Wonder Woman be, she's Gal Gadot herself, although just insanely, she's a world-class model. Before she began acting, she was a world-class model. So she was, you know, in the tier that's right below the women who end up as uh, Victoria's Secret models. Not quite a supermodel, but a world-class model. Obviously, insanely beautiful. And even though she is absolutely gorgeous, she is kind of a stick figure. If you've ever seen her other movies, she's kind of really thin. And there were other women who could have played Wonder Woman that I might have liked to see who were not as thin as Gal Gadot. However, her performance is great. Um, and any bobbles in what you might think that Wonder Woman should or shouldn't do are generally due to decisions made in the script or decisions made by the director. Gal Gadot is absolutely beautiful and does a, does a great job. 
By the way, folks, uh, I don't know if you noticed, um, our co-host John has just joined the show fresh, fresh from a showing of Wonder Woman. Let me pause for a second and say hi. Hey, hey guys, glad I could make it. The show just got out and I ran right over. <laughs> uh, we've got a theater right by the house, just a couple miles. So it was, uh, I almost had the timing correct, lost by five minutes. Um, the, uh, and the other thing I liked about this movie is that, uh, and I've been reminded in the chat here by Rolling Yonzi, um, who, by the way, will be on, on the books, I think Thursday, am I right? I usually do it on Wednesdays, but we're still working out the exact time. Okay. But he will be on uh, Geek Gab on the books this week. He, he reminds me that the last T in Gal Gadot's name is actually uh, pronounced. So I've been dropping that because of waiting for Gadot the play. She, that her name has always reminded me of that. Uh, and I, I, I kind of unconsciously pronounce it the way you're supposed to pronounce the play. Apologies. Which always, um, which always reminds me of Quantum Leap, but that's another story. I haven't seen all of Quantum Leap, so I don't know what... Uh, what 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 in her name reminds you of Quantum Leap? Okay, this is how my mind works. All these connections because Waiting for Godot, I believe, was written by playwright Samuel Beckett, which is the name of Scott Bakula's character in Quantum Leap. That is true. Okay, um, that's that's a that's a uh, cockney rhyming slang there. kind of uh, yeah. association there. That, that's um, a couple yeah. extra levels. So let, let me ask this, um, before I go into any deeper, uh, what did you think of the film, John? I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, as usual, Mrs. Dornell has pretty good insight. She said, uh, well, I saw the trailer, so I guess I didn't really need to see that, did I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no surprises. It was just a, like a solid action superhero flick. That's the short line. Um. I, I did gain an insight, though, into why they set it in World War One during the climax of the movie, because there were, oh, I don't know if I can say that without being a spoilers. It's a superhero movie set in a world war, and if they didn't set it in World One, the parallels to um, Captain America, the first Avenger, would make people think that they were ripping it off, even though they're not. So that's why they set it in World War One. Even though in the original, uh, um, in the original comic, and as continuity progressed, I think it, it ended up in later and later years. It was never in World War One. Um, oh, this is what I was going to say. The thing I liked about the movie is Gal Gadot wasn't ever; she didn't have to be talked into being the hero. She didn't have to be persuaded. She wasn't um, the reluctant hero. She was very, very eager to get in there and do the right thing and uh, fight bad guys. So I was very grateful for that because I've gotten so sick of, of heroes who spend the entire movie whining about how much they don't want to be uh, heroes or, or superheroes. So... Yeah, about your point about the, the World War, it also sort of makes one of the themes easier to swallow, which is 
uh, something that actually didn't come through in the trailers uh, is the nature of humanity and, and the way we always fight. Uh, and when you go back to World War One, you can see plainly that, you know, that all people have these violent tendencies and then they don't have to worry about the whole icky, you know, Nazi Germany, Hitler sort of thing where, yeah, one side was objectively, you know, evil and wrong for, for a couple of reasons. They could, they could have that theme where, you know, nobody's perfect. I, uh, well, there's, uh, we avoid politics on the show for very good reason. Cause I get sick of it during the week, but um, being as how politics is kind of swirling around this movie, as far as I want to go into the politics is this. The person who was making and directing the movie intended on making a feminist movie about a, you know, you go girl, rebellious, um, self-assured woman who doesn't need a man, stuff like that. The typical stuff that gave us like Mary Sue and uh, other similar movies. But because she was making a hero, a superhero movie, and because Wonder Woman is a superhero, it ends up in the movie not mattering at all. And, and there's, there's some differences with uh, Ray in The Force Awakens. Nothing, nothing, nothing explains why Ray has all the abilities she does. In the Wonder Woman movie, they go through her youth as an Amazon on Themyscira, and she is ordered to be trained harder than any Amazon has ever been. Five times harder, ten times harder, and then they show several scenes of her going through grueling training, grueling combat training. And so all of her abilities in combat are explained because of this training and then you find out things later about who the character is and her background and stuff that also explain other things that are happening that would otherwise seem like she was a mary sue and so they completely sidestep the issue and despite wanting to make a feminist movie they just ended up making a superhero movie and so there's nothing political in it there's no um there's no what do they call it? Sucker punch in the entire movie. There's no moment where Wonder Woman stops and, and says something like, oh, and by the way, this evil villain, who's the leader of all the other evil villains, is exactly like political leader A that all of you people follow, and he's just as evil, and so you shouldn't like political leader A. Nothing like that appears in the movie, and things like that do appear fairly regularly in films. And so I'm just glad I could go see a movie that there wasn't a sucker punch in. So there's a debate raging in the chat between uh, Castutus Calvitus and Raleigh Nanzi, and one maintains that Wonder Woman does not follow the hero's journey, the other maintains that it does. So arguments for it not following the hero's journey that Diana is not a reluctant hero. She has nothing to atone for. One thing going on. And then, um, even though Diana doesn't refuse the call, Hippolyta does. What, what do you think about that? Wait, which one is Hippolyta again? Is that her mom? The queen. Hippolyta is the queen, her mother. 
yeah, she's she's reluctant uh, at the beginning of the movie. She wants to protect Diana, and and she's uh, she's in denial about the world outside. Oh, and Amazon in denial. I'm sorry, I had to. <laughs> I had to. I, I couldn't even let it pass either. That was a good one. I like it. No, it wasn't. Um, no one laughed at that. I'm sorry. That's why I myself early. Anyway, here's Journey. Yes. I, I don't. I don't see. I don't see why Hippolyta has anything to do with it. Yeah. I mean, Diana's the hero, and and she, uh, heroine, obviously, and and she doesn't. Uh, she doesn't really follow that template. Uh, there. I mean, there's a moment of doubt later, uh, late, late in the movie, but uh, but the movie, it's pretty much over by then. Um, I, I don't particularly care to argue the uh, minutia of the hero's journey about whether it does or does not follow it. All I know is she doesn't spend the entire movie whining about being a superhero and uh, then not wanting to do the right thing. She charges right in and takes on the bad guys. And um, if anything, uh, you know, the people around her are trying to restrain her from doing that. So... It's a very refreshing change of pace from the stuff that has been uh, more recent that I have seen in movies. Yeah, so. it's, it, 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 they hit that beat a couple of times where she's like, but the right thing to do is right over here. We should do it. And and other people, you know, like uh, Chris Pine's character and everything is like, well, I kind of have a boss and I kind of have a mission, so we kind of need to do this. Uh, and, and she goes, no, I'm going to do the right thing right now. Uh, and it was great. Refreshing is a good word. It's just like, Forget it. I'm just going to go do the right thing. The nice thing, too, is, and this is something that typically doesn't happen with the Mary Sues, especially in Ray's case, they actually show her being wrong on a couple of occasions. Her headstrong nature actually causes problems at a couple of points in the film. And so she's not absolutely perfect. She's not, they don't make everyone else around her incompetent in order to make her look better. Uh, all of the other men, and she's in a squad of four other men um, who you saw pictures of in Batman versus Superman, the, the squad standing in front of the airplane. Um, all of them are competent. All of them have their own areas of competency. And although there isn't enough time in the two-hour movie to let them really develop as characters, each of them gets a chance to shine. Each of them gets a little moment. And they don't make them look incompetent in order to make her look awesome. And they show her at different points in time actually needing the help of the men around her. Um, and the, the main character, the... The main character, the main male character, Steve, who she saves from an airplane crash, um, is a competent man. He's a sharp man. He's he's from the modern world and doesn't buy the mystical stuff that's going on. But at the same time, when mystical things start happening, he rolls with it, he adapts, and he goes and does his job. He's, he's a very heroic character, and he does great things that Wonder Woman herself couldn't do and didn't do, and he is necessary for the victory of the movie. And I think that's really good writing compared to the rest of the stuff Hollywood does in that all of these secondary characters are allowed to be necessary. They're allowed to help. They're allowed to do things that the main character couldn't. I can only concur. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. The all the other characters, and you know what? Honestly, 
I could have done without them. But, <laughs> I mean, they, they, they didn't need to be there. But they they all served a purpose. They were uh, interesting as, as I'm not even sure I'd call them two-dimensional, right? They're just, they're sidekicks, and, but they do things that are important to the mission. They all have a purpose. Besides making her look good, they yeah. actually help. Uh, so good use of, of, we'll use the word characters loosely. Um, I, the, the, the whole movie could have just been, uh, you know, Wonder Woman and uh, the pilot. I, I just think, in, in, I remember in The Force Awakens how Han Solo was made to look like an incompetent fool in order to make Ray look better. And that just stuck in my craw and always has. But well, they, they didn't they do that in this movie. They, they tried to play it off like he's just, you know, huh, the bumbling smuggler. Huh, everything goes wrong, right? It's not my fault. It's not my fault. They, you know, they, they cranked that up to 11 just so that they could, uh, like you said. Have you, guys, um, have you guys read Mark Hamill's comments about yes. the new Star Wars movies? Uh, he's made several of them, and uh, yeah. I watched a YouTube video of an interview, and I've read some of the comments he made to different reporters, and I, I think he, generally he's spot on. So, but oh, um, absolutely, I would trust him to write a Star Wars movie before really anyone else living today. Back to Wonder Woman. Um, it's an entertaining film. It's an enjoyable film. They did a lot of different stuff in it, so it's not just a a repetition of every. See, this is the difficult thing in Hollywood. Every single time, it's a difficult thing in screenwriting. Every single time you make a movie. When you have, let's say, a bank heist, how many bank heists have there been in movies? You know, hundreds, maybe thousands. But every time you write a bank heist scene, there has to be something different and unique in it, and you can never do exactly what somebody else did before, or even closely similar to what somebody else did before. So there is a heavy debt, a heavy burden, excuse me, on the shoulders of screenwriters to make sure that everything they do is unique. So that even if it's like, oh, well, yeah, it's just a superhero beating up a bunch of bad guys, the fight itself, the choreography, how the fight begins, how the fight proceeds, how the fight ends, how the hero uses their powers in it, all of those things have to be different in every fight in a Spider-Man movie, for example, has to be different and also has to be different from every fight in the previous Spider-Man movie and every fight in the movie before that and before that and before that. That's five I counted. That's how many Spider-Man movies there have been until Homecoming comes out. So um, there's a lot of burden placed on screenwriters. And the fights in this movie are superhero fights, of which we have seen many over the course of the last you know, 17 years since uh, the first X-Men movie with uh, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, we've seen many, 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 many superhero beatdowns. And yet, the fights in this movie were not um, repetitive. They did not Man, they, they weren't copies of any earlier fights. They had their own dynamic. Uh, Wonder Woman's powers are different. She used them in different ways. And by the way, the very first fight that they have in the movie is on Themyscira, is the Amazons fighting a bunch of uh, German soldiers on the beach. And that was a, a fabulous fight. 
Um, absolutely great. And you'll know what I mean when I say that the bar for originality is high because one thing, just one thing they do in that fight is somewhat similar to something that gets done in 300 and you're going to see people on the net complaining about it. Oh, well, they did it in 300. They're just ripping off 300. Oh, that's terrible. They're idiots. Because the stuff leading up to that one moment and the stuff after that one moment are completely different. And so even though it's kind of somewhat similar to something that happened in 300, they're not ripping it off. It's just cool. The fight on the beach is spectacular. Uh, yeah, actually, I'd call it the best fight. Uh, it felt like the fight, because it wasn't full-blown superheroes, it felt like it was more choreographed and less animated. Um, a lot of the fights later in the movie are, are kind of fun and interesting. And I'd agree that they don't really echo any other superhero fights or anything. But they're a bit animated. Uh, very similar to, I remember, Man of Steel. Some of those fights were like, wow, that was impressive. But it, it kind of was a computer Superman doing most of that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a little my, my little quibble with the movie, but you can't make superhero movies these days without that sort of thing. So I'll let it slide. Um, but oh, sorry. But the point was that the beach movie was uh, the beach movie. The beach fight was not that. It was very good. Yeah, it, it was a uh, just a great fight. Imaginative, um, interesting, and very very well choreographed. I, I I can't imagine how long that must have taken to shoot. Uh, that's just uh, it's a very impressive build from. Even just from a, you know, the, the fight has emotional impact. It's interesting. It holds your attention. The uh, the images on the screen are great, and it shows it shows why so much action in movies these days is just violence. And we're, we'll go back to the discussion. Did we have this discussion last week, or is it the week before? It doesn't matter. Uh, 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 the difference between violence and, and action and so forth. Um, why so many movies have just meaningless stuff on the screen where it's like long series of, of images that are kind of impressive, but they're just boring. They're completely empty because there's no context for it. But in this movie, they've taken the time to set up the characters who are involved in the fight. They've taken the time to let you know what's going on. And so there is enough context there, enough characterization there to make the fight worthwhile. It doesn't just feel like empty spectacle, which... Um, Main a lot of Hollywood action movies fall into is just empty spectacle. So I enjoyed the movie. Um, it had its flaws, but but on the whole, it was a it was a really good movie. So so I'm I'm Brian didn't see this right. No, he did not. So there the, we keep coming back to those action scenes and in, in choreography and and everything in movies and especially the way that they're edited together to preserve a PG-13 rating and to you know, show particular types of action and to cover for things like Gal Gadot or, or her stunt doubles aren't great physical fighters. In this uh, film, I think they've done the best with what they can. There's uh, quite a few close shots. There's uh, quite a bit of shaky cam, especially in the action scenes earlier in the movie, but it uh, it's not born levels of nauseating shaky cam it's not disorienting close-ups there's too many close-ups in my opinion but they can't all be hong kong kung fu movies right uh but i think that they they 
knew what they were working with and the sort of style of, of action that they wanted to shoot. And they did it without disrupting the sense of where everything is and, and the sense of the action. Wonder Woman, and even though I know Gal Gadot isn't a fighter, she hasn't trained in a, a, as a fighter, um, the movie nevertheless makes Wonder Woman, the character, feel like she is a fighter. Feel like she really is engaging in physical combat and and you even look at like iron fist which is terrible the fight scene that were awful and everybody was blaming the fact that the actor isn't a fighter and he isn't um and so they had to do a whole bunch of cutting and stuff and and whatever well gal gadot isn't a fighter either but the fight scenes in this movie were were amazing and then wonder woman felt like a fighter so you know there there was a difference there that just problems with the actor um can't explain the director of this movie did a great job and maybe it's just time maybe it's uh, because this is such a big budget movie they had more time to develop it maybe they had better stunt coordinators i don't know what the reason is but uh i thought the fights in this one were very very well done and i usually hate shaky cam and i didn't even notice it in this movie so uh yeah i, th I think um, unless you go in hoping for a you know a solid kung fu choreographed action movie you would not be disappointed they didn't go too ham on the on the close-ups and the shaky cam. I will admit, folks, if you're listening, this is not The Raid. This is not John Wick. So you can't go in expecting <laughs> that level of fight choreography, that level of, of combat. Yeah, um, we're going to we're gonna have to wait for the next John Wick or something to get a really, <laughs> really good action experience. Um, all right, let's let Brian ask any questions he has because that's that's about all I have to say about the movie. Okay, so earlier you had said that you'd suspected that this movie was originally kind of in, intended as a, you know, a, a feminist vehicle. Do you think that it was saved in post after test screenings? I have no idea. Um, the director has made statements that there isn't any deleted scenes. They didn't cut it. I didn't hear any stories of, of big reshoots. I will say this. I think that what happened with this movie is the same thing that happened with Apocalypse Now. Um, mm -hmm. In Apocalypse Now, the cavalry character, the, the helicopter cavalry character who gives the line, I love the smell of napalm in the morning, it smells like victory. Um, or I'm, I'm, That's the quote you often hear, it's not exactly the same as what he actually says in the movie, but uh, you know of whom I speak. He was originally supposed to be a psychopath, and you're, the audience was supposed to loathe and hate him. And yet the audience loved that character. They thought he was heroic. They thought he was dashing. They thought he was you know, incredible in the way that he had a command of the battlefield, in the way that he uh, you know, absolutely bravely risked himself for his men, the way that he ordered that his men needed to get evacuated right now. And everything that happened in the movie made him look like a hero. And when the movie comes out, the director is aghast. He just can't believe that the audiences see this one character as a hero because he's supposed to be a psychopath. And in Apocalypse Now Redo, they add in some scenes in there that makes him seem unhinged. But they had to cut that material out. So he was accidentally heroic, accidentally inspiring. There are few lines in the movie that are kind of obnoxious in a feminist way, but they're very small, they're very quick. And I just think 
that in the mind of a lot of people, because it's a woman and because she's kicking ass and because she beats up a bunch of men, that was supposed to make it a feminist movie. But at the same time, as with the Colonel in um, Apocalypse Now, it, they just made her a good hero. They just made her a compelling hero. They just made her a compelling superhero. And so it didn't end up being preachy or political. I think that was accidental. What you were talking about, that reminded me of Alan Moore's reaction to Rorschach in Watchmen. Or rather, his yeah. reaction to, to fans just embracing Rorschach. Like, no, you're supposed to hate this guy. He's a nut. Yeah, but... he's clearly the best thing about the book. <laughs> he's he's well, the most... yeah. He's and, the and, most... he's, and he's the narrator through which we, you know, experience the beginning of the story. How, how are we not supposed to identify with that guy? <laughs> Same thing with Apocalypse Now. Yeah, and he's he's um, uh, Rorschach is absolutely committed to justice, absolutely committed to doing the right thing. He doesn't he doesn't kneel to situational ethics or gray morality. He does the right thing up to and including knowing for a fact the consequences that he's going to pay. He doesn't care. And there's a lot of backstory about why he's crazy and stuff. And you can say, yeah, I mean the character is crazy, but he's moral. And he's one of the only characters in that book among the heroes who is uh, uncompromising and moral, and you just have to admire that. And plus, he's interesting. He's so great, especially in the movie of The Watchmen. When um, he says that line, I'm not locked up in here with you. You're locked up in here with me. It is brilliant. And I think his whole performance, that actor's whole performance in the movie was absolutely in incredible, just impeccable. But that one line especially, that's why people love Rorschach, is because he's the ultimate badass. Well, and I've got, he is, and I've got another one. And, and really, this is kind of related because it is another DC movie. So we're kind of comparing DC movies here. It's the line where he talks about how like one day, you know, all, all, all of the, the gutters, you know, like the city's veins are going to scab over <laughs> and like all the blood of all the crime is going to rise up and threaten to drown like all the politicians and hookers and the drug dealers and everything. And they're going to look up and shout, save us. And he says, and I'm going to look down and I'll whisper, no. And I, I, I don't know that one. <laughs> That, that one makes me groan and roll my eyes. I, I don't know why everybody loves that line. <laughs> because it shows his code of ethics. What he's saying is, look, I'm going to let you, like you asked for this, I'm going to let you sleep in the bed you've made. So he's he's dedicated to helping the innocent, but he's reached the point where he's looking around, he's like, I, I don't see any innocence. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lift a, a finger to help these people. Um, If I could add add to that, though, in the yeah. end, when it comes down to it, he actually does. Um, right, he's got an arc. He, he actually does try to save the city. As disgusted as he is with humanity, as disgusted as he is with what people do to themselves. And if you read real crime stories or have heard anything about what happens in real crimes, not the sort that tends to appear in comic books, you, you realize how someone dealing with criminality on that level could be completely sick of humanity. Um, but even so, at the end, he does try to save the city, even with all of those people in it. Yeah, um, and actually, uh, Moore knew that, so he worked a real-life crime into Rorschach's backstory, because uh, the, the Kitty Genovese murder case 
from New York. It is it is mentioned in the book. Yeah. It supposedly happens like right outside Rorschach's apartment. And as a matter of fact, his mask is supposed to be made of like a swatch of her dress. Yes. So um, it's, it's kind of like a symbol. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. And I think really quick, I think it's his um, reconnecting with his friendship with Night Owl that kind of brings him around and and brings him back to humanity. But anyway, back to Wonder Woman. Um, so yeah, Wonder Woman is an entertaining movie. If you like superhero movies, go see it. It, pro it will not be a waste of time. Um, and no, there's no sucker punch or, or um, any of the bad storytelling that seems to suffuse movies that put message over entertainment. It's a very entertaining movie. And uh, it is absolutely by far and away the best of... Um, I'm trying to think the best DC movies since uh, Christopher Nolan stopped making Batman's. So, um, could this be it? Well, I I concur with you, DW. I think that it is a perfectly fine superhero movie. Um, it's it's especially going to be especially good for uh, teenagers um, and man children who uh, love the character Wonder Woman. And it's uh, good action, pretty good movie. I, I, I these don't sound like growing rec glowing recommendations. <laughs> if you want, if, if you want the next John Wick, it's not here. But if you want a fun superhero movie, it's good. It, it can it could stand up to a lot of the movies. Uh, it's better than many of the movies in the Marvel uh, universe. I. If it had been a Marvel movie, it might have even cracked my top five, but it definitely would have cracked the top ten. And, and speaking to your point on worrying about the politics or surrounding and everything, because we can't release a major, uh, you know, cultural thing like a movie without politics and stuff. Just like he said, there's no preachy, no sucker punch moments, no talking down to the audience through another character. There's actually lots of fun, feminine and masculine moments, especially. If you saw the trailer when uh, Diana first arrives in London and she has to deal with the culture there. Uh, and, and they have fun with it. They don't get preachy with it. It's great. There's no parallels drawn with modern political issues. There's, you know, nothing about the movie says, oh, we were interested in, in pushing a political message above anything else. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, where, where do you guys rate this in comparison to Suicide Squad? It's better than Suicide Squad. There's no question. Yeah, absolutely. If, if for no other reason than this has a coherent story, there's no confusing jumps, there's no um, you know sudden things happening, the characters are supposed to be smart and competent, are smart and competent. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's better than Suicide, than Suicide Squad by far. Just, just checking. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah, Suicide Squad was annoying. This movie was very entertaining. All right, well, um, John, you have anything else before we uh, sign out? Well, I think I've said my piece. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks, you guys, for making it an awesome show. Um, Brian, do you have anything? Yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, those are my names at the beginning. Uh, just finished the final draft of my first book for Castelli House, so look for that this summer. Should be an announcement coming up, so stay tuned. Um, in the meantime, third book of my soul cycle, Secret Kings, on sale for Kindle right now for 99 cents. We don't have it. What are you waiting for? Go get it. And be sure to tune um, in uh, for On the Books on Wednesday with special guest Raul Nianzi. 
Uh, oh, yeah, and, and as someone did say, they do name drop Edgar Rice Burroughs in the movie. Um, they bring a bunch of goods in order to bribe people to get past the front lines in World War One, and they bring English tea for Germans, German beer for the English, and Edgar Rice Burroughs novels for everybody. It was a great little moment in the movie. Um, thanks for tuning in, folks. If you want to get announcements about when we've scheduled the show and when the show is going live, remember to super double secret subscribe, click on the subscribe button, and then click on the little bell, and that'll actually allow you to receive notifications. It's it's uh, YouTube's new thing. We don't know why, but we just have to roll with it. Let you know the purpose of subscribing is so you can know when we're doing these shows. You can come, jump in the chat, and participate. But... In order to do that, you have to super double secret subscribe. We are available on YouTube.com. For those of you who haven't listened to the show before, YouTube.com slash GeekGab. Very, very easy. And you can come in. We have playlists for On the Books, which is our writing-centric podcast. We have playlists for Geek Gab Game Night, which is all about being a game master and all about running games, things like that. And, of course, a playlist for Geek Gab Prime which generally stars all three of us. You can also, uh, if you're interested in subscribing to the podcast so it can download to your mobile device, you can get it through the iTunes Music Store just or the iTunes Store. Just do a search for Geek Gab, and you'll be able to subscribe. You can also get it through the Google Play Store, and we are available on SoundCloud if you just want to download the files directly to your computer without going through anything else. So just do a search for Geek Gab in all those places, and you will find us. And uh, we have made that available to you as the audience to be able to get the show as easily as possible. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, uh, listening to our review of Wonder Woman. It was a good movie. I enjoyed it quite a lot. Action things are excellent. If you like superhero movies, you'll probably like this one. We are signing off for today. But don't worry, don't you fret, we will be back.